Good morning, friends. Uh, today's message is called Drift Away or Race Towards God. It's based on Psalm 85. There's an old song. I want to play just a little bit of it for you. Some of you may probably recognize it. Yes, that's uh, Drift Away. It's by Dobie Gray. And if you caught those last part of the lyrics, it says, Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Drift away. Have you ever done that? Drifted away from a relationship? Actually, I know very few Christians who haven't drifted at some point. I'm certainly not encouraging it or endorsing it, but I know very few Christians who haven't gone through, at the very least, a season of what I might call awayness. Sometimes the evidence of this awayness is a careful approach to the Christian, a careless approach to the Christian life, just a going away through the motions uh, type of lifestyle. Sometimes the evidence of awayness is to adopt a judgmental, holier-than-thou attitude, where a person is constantly looking for reasons to convince themselves that they're better than anyone else. And sometimes the awareness is experienced in badness, just out and out overt sin and rebellion and defiance of God's call to holiness. I've also noticed that people don't often go from hot to cold overnight. There is usually a process of deterioration or compromise. You bend a little here, then a little more there. You drift a couple of steps and you drift a couple more till eventually it becomes impossible to see the place where you used to be. We go through this process, compromise and drift, compromise and drift in different areas of our life. Our relationships, our business practices, our ethics, even our church attendance and spiritual life till we drift away so far that we can no longer see where it is we used to be. We become so lost that it becomes all but impossible to find our way back home. Not long ago, someone said, I know where I want to be in life, but I have no idea how to get there. I'm not living up to what I believe or to what I can be, but I have no idea how to get my life back on track. I believe that many of you listening today could probably speak those same words. You want to come home. You want to get back that connection you once had with God. You're tired of your life being a mess. You're tired of living from crisis to crisis. You may be tired of your world being in turmoil. You're tired of being alone. You're just tired of being away. You want things to be the way they used to be. You want things to be the way they should be. The question you may be asking is, can I get there from here? And the answer is emphatically, yes. Friends, it doesn't matter how many times you have failed. It doesn't matter how far you have drifted. It doesn't matter how long you've been away. God is willing and able to restore you. He is willing and able to bring you back to where you want to be in Him. Today we're going to take a look at Psalm 85. It's a psalm of restoration, a psalm of homecoming. It's kind of God's welcome back letter to drifting people. 
In the first section of this psalm, David is praying the prayer that many of us would want to pray, and it's restore us, revive us, forgive us, and save us. He's saying, God, do for us what you have done for your people in the past. You forgave them, you restored them. Please forgive us, restore us, and bring us back to where we need to be. And then in the next few verses, David outlines some steps that he's going to take to put himself in a position where God can restore him. And friends, God wants to restore you, but in order for this to happen, you've got to take a couple of steps in his direction. So what are the steps? There are three. First, begin listening to God. Verse 7 says, I will listen to what God the Lord will say. I want to make it clear that when I say, listen to God, I'm not referring to what you think God might be saying to you on a personal, supernatural level. I'm not talking about being able to hear the audible voice of God. I mean, God may speak to us that way on occasion, but first and foremost, he speaks to us through the scriptures. When I talk about listening to God, I'm referring to not just hearing the words of scripture, but to paying attention to them, digesting them, absorbing them, believing them, heeding them. You may also remember an old Simon and Garfunkel song, The Sound of Silence. It contains the line, people hearing without listening. That's what we tend to do with the words of Scripture. We hear them. We just don't listen. Friends, God speaks to us through his word. We hear these words. We know these words. But we often sometimes just fail to listen to them. And when we fail to listen, we start to drift. So what is God saying to us? What word do we need to be listening to? David says in verse 7, I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints. That's a good place to start. Listen to this. God has promised you peace. His peace can be yours. You don't have to live in turmoil. Your life doesn't have to be an emotional roller coaster. Even though the circumstances of our lives may be very unstable, we can have emotional stability through whatever storm life brings our way. I mean, God has promised to fill our lives with peace. Many of you can quote John 14:27, where Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Many of you could probably also quote Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know these words. You know this promise. You hear it, but you don't listen to it, and as a result, you don't experience it. Getting back to where you need to be with God begins with listening to his voice and taking him as his word. Listening to God also means hearing his word and believing it. Hearing means believing his promises, believing what he says about sin or about priorities or what he says about work or friendships and on and on and on. Here's my challenge. Spend a few minutes each day reading the Bible. Just a brief passage, a few verses. Ask yourself, what is God saying to me in this passage? What is he telling me to do? What is he telling me uh, not to do? Uh, What's the good news in this passage? Is there any promise to claim? If you want to get your life back to where it needs to be, you begin by listening to God. And then you begin by taking him at his word. The second thing I think Psalm 85 tells us is to abandon our foolishness. Verse 7 continues, I will listen to what the Lord 
But God the Lord will say, he promises peace to his people, his saints, but let them not return to folly. It's been said that the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing again and again, expecting a different result, and that's what many of us do. We say things like, I don't mind sacrificing and working some extra hours to make this payment because I really want this car now, or I realized the last time I dated a non-Christian it didn't work out, but maybe this time it will, or one drink, I can handle that, I'll never binge this time, and on and on and on. We make the same mistakes again and again. Now, there's a particularly graphic verse in the book of Proverbs we need to hear. It's Proverbs 26:11. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. It's a pretty great visual, isn't it? Especially right before you're ready to eat a meal. You know, it's actually disgusting. And equally disgusting is our tendency to repeat the same mistakes. And Solomon is right to call such a person a fool. The most foolish thing you will ever believe, the biggest lie you will ever tell yourself is, this time I could beat the system. This time I can sidestep the consequences. Maybe I can go play around with this sin and it won't come back to haunt me. And friends, just like the dog goes back to the vileness of eating his own vomit, we go back to the vileness of our own sin. But you don't have to do it. You don't have to keep making the same mistakes again and again. And you don't have to wait years and years to make the change. All you have to do is realize that your sinful behavior is the spiritual equivalent of puke. And dog puke at that. When you see your behavior for what it really is, it's a lot easier to abandon it. When you recognize that gossip, for example, is vile, it's easier to abandon it. When you realize that an uncontrolled outburst of anger is vile, it's easy to abandon it. When you recognize that condescension is vile, it's easier to abandon it. God has made all these wonderful promises. He has promised to fill our life with peace. But he says in verse 8, But let them not return to folly, to their foolishness. I'm saying that we need to recognize that sin is destructive and foolish and totally unnecessary. The further we get from the folly of our sin, the closer we get to God. And friends, if you're not where you need to be spiritually, you need to say, God, I've done some foolish things in my life, and now I'm ready to stop. And what will he do? Well, the same thing he's always done for his people. In verse 2 it says, You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Here's the third suggestion. Take God seriously. Verse 9 says, Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. You know, there are more than 300 references in the Old Testament that speak to the idea of fearing God. And I want to remind you that David is not referring, referring to fear as in being terrified or something that is trying to do you harm. He's talking about a type of respect, though respect is hardly a strong enough term. He's talking about a holy reverence. Recognize God for who he is. He's talking about having an awareness of the awesomeness and majesty and power of God. He's talking about taking God seriously. No wonder there's something missing from our spiritual lives. No wonder we struggle with sin. No wonder we sometimes feel empty inside. And no wonder it seems like our prayers don't even reach the ceiling. In order to come alive spiritually, God must become our top priority. We must begin taking him seriously. 
Here's what I've learned about people. We focus on what's most important to us. Sometimes I know I get very busy, and I often work a lot of hours on different things. Uh, But I've never become so busy that I have gone days on end without eating or sleeping. But I will tell you what I have done. I've gotten so busy that I have used my busyness as an excuse to neglect my spiritual priorities. There have been times when I've gotten so busy in some areas of my work that I've used it as an excuse to neglect the more important areas of my ministry that God has called me to do. And friends, that's all it is, an excuse, because in the long run, we do what is most important to us. The simple truth is this. If you want to bring your spiritual life up to the level it needs to be, God has to be the top priority in your life. Do you want to experience his peace? Then get serious about God. Hopefully this message has given you a number of things to evaluate. If you're not where you want to be spiritually, but you want to get there, take a couple of steps toward God. Begin by listening to him, taking him at, back, taking him at his word. Abandon the foolishness of the sin that's holding you back. And then get serious about putting God first in your life. If you do this, let me tell you what will happen. The book of James says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. As you move in his direction, he moves in your direction. Today I'd encourage you to move in his direction. This past week, Condoleezza Rice, the Secretary of State under President George W. Bush, said something really neat in a prayer. She said, we need to race toward God. I pray that you all do that. Not drift, but race toward God. Until next week, friends, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion.